Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1 called The Lord is Salvation. So Wednesday nights we have transitioned to Isaiah. So that's in the middle of the Old Testament. It's past the Psalms and Proverbs and uh, before Jeremiah. So go ahead and locate that if you would. This is our second study in Isaiah. And I did an introduction last week if you were here and I conquered six verses. So I said going in, my goal is to do a chapter um, each Wednesday night, but we're just going to let the Spirit lead, and if we don't tackle a chapter, then oh well. But since it is 66 chapters, you can imagine that we'll be studying this book for a while. And for you mathematicians, yes, it'll be beyond a year. (laughs) So what I want to do right now is take you through the beginning verses to set this up as we look at the book of Isaiah. Isaiah gets a vision. Uh, he saw the word as we talked about last Wednesday, the vision, Isaiah 1.1 of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So they're focused on the southern kingdom, which he saw during the reigns of these four kings of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings, all kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand, verse 4. Alas, sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly, They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from Him. Where where will you be stricken again as you continue in your rebellion? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw wounds, not pressed, not pressed out or bandaged, nor softened with oil. Now, those are the verses that we looked at last week. Uh, A couple of images that Isaiah gives to picture the nation, but we remember together that this book, his name means the Lord saves. So though this book is a hard book and there's a lot uh, right in your face type of rebuke against the nation, God uh, as we illustrated last week, crying out from heaven as, uh, as if he were saying, why do you do this? Uh, why, why do you, my people, break my heart, in essence, is what God is saying. And he compares them to a person that is stricken, a person, verse five, that is sick. Their whole head is sick. Their whole heart is faint. He pictures them as a person from the sole of the foot even to the top of the head, that there's nothing sound in that person. There's bruises and welts and raw wounds, but they've not been bandaged. They've not been softened with oil. And the image is that there's a person that's been beaten and they're so numbed out by their rebellion to God that they don't even see the wounds that are all over them. And that's really where we ended last week. And God says, I really see you that way. I see you as a broken and bruised and cut up 
people, but you can't see yourself the way I see you. So I'm going to have my prophet give you a word. I'm going to have my prophet tell you what I see. Because once you see what I see, then you will be able to find the remedy. God never wants to leave us just in the position of seeing ourselves in the light of his law, but he wants to, he wants to heal us. But in order to heal us, we must understand our condition. And sometimes we're the blindest to our own sins and shortcomings. Sometimes other people can see what our own sins are and how clearly they come out, but we can't see them in ourselves. And the problem that Israel has is a whole nation has been enveloped in a blindness. Uh, You guys know that if you've read the Bible at all, you know that a blindness has happened in part to Israel. God, for an extended season now, has given over the uh, mass portion of ethnic Israel to blindness. And we scratch our heads and we say, why, Lord? And we've been grafted in in that season. And we have received, in, in essence, their Messiah. And God is saying, this is the condition of my people. And I, and I said to you that we need to be careful between the Old and New Testaments when we make application. But if we're going to make any application, we've got to make it to ourselves and the church before we make it to the United States. Because the temptation is to blame everybody else for our issues and problems. And they are rampant. We know we were talking earlier today in the church office about how media and television, you know, they're pushing the envelope more and more and more. And we decry that and we know that's an issue. But yet we know as a people that that is uh, in many ways not really the problem. The problem is us. The church must be cleansed. The church must see what God desires of us. But we must also see from the standpoint of the positive how God does see us through his son. And so sprinkled throughout the book of Isaiah is the hope of the coming Messiah. And when we left off last Wednesday, we talked about how some of the language in verse six, if you'd look with me, the mention of welts and raw wounds, not pressed or bandaged, is the same, uh, many of the same Hebrew words used for Jesus, how he was bruised for our transgressions. Uh, how he took the beating for us. And so really even within that verse, talking about our situation, it translates to the uh, punishment that the Messiah took uh, for our well-being. Now God moves into the land, and the land, of course, is indicative of the people. The city represents the people, and after he calls their attention to his heart and their need, he says to them, verse 7, your land is desolate. Jesus, uh, when he went into the temple area and the Jews really gave their final rejection of him, he said, your house has been left to you desolate. Desolate is a powerful word because it's a word that really is desolation. It speaks of destruction and emptiness. And God says, when I look at your land, what I see is a land that is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your fields, strangers are devouring them in your presence while you sit there. It is desolation as overthrown by strangers. Now, the land would become a desolation. The northern kingdom of Israel, uh, Edom and Philistia, uh, and later in uh, 701 BC by Shennacherib and the Assyrian army would come in and take the northern kingdom. And remember, Isaiah gets the vision in 739, and we know that that invasion happened in 701 to the northern kingdom. 
Later, the southern kingdoms would be taken in 586 BC by Nebuchadnezzar. But remember, you're dealing with a prophetic book. And so while Isaiah is speaking to the people of his time, he also is looking into the future. And notice he says in verse eight, the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter and a vineyard, like a watchman's hut in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. I want you to notice, Bible students, that the word like is used several times in verse eight. I'll read the NIV. The daughter of Zion, Zion's another name for Jerusalem, is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege. And so there's two views from commentators on this. Some believe that this is a very literal take and Isaiah is kind of fast forwarding into the desolation of the land and God sees history as though it was, uh, the future as though it was before him. He writes history in advance. So there's a group of scholars that say what he's seeing is the actual taking of the land and how the people are really paralyzed to do anything. They can't really fight against those who come to siege the city. Others say the word like gives us an indication and following in the footsteps of verse six where it says it gives us the image of a person who's bruised and and, uh, has raw wounds and doesn't notice it, that this is another um, more of a metaphor. And the metaphor describes a people that are desolate. Uh, Their city is burned up, but they can't do anything about it. And you could go either way on it, but the bottom line is this. The bottom line is it's a condition of humiliation. The nation is at a point where the glorious city on a hill, the light unto the Gentiles has become like a broken down hut in the middle of a cucumber field. It's, it's desolate. What was once beautiful has now been ravaged by sin and by compromise. Uh, Pastor Chuck told a story one time that comes to mind of a man who had a beautiful marriage and family and he was living in a nice home and uh, he decided that he was going to cheat on his wife. And so he went out and he started living with this other woman and uh, he got involved with her and he was living on the other side of town in some kind of garage apartment and the wife, the concerned wife who had been cheated on called Pastor Chuck one day and said, look, my husband's cheating on me and I'm devastated. Can you talk to him? And Chuck agreed and it set up a meeting and he arrived at the home where the man was now living and it was kind of a shady, seedy side of of town and a broken down apartment. And he said that he was on the drive there, as pastors will often do, he was praying about what he would say to the man. You know, what could I say to spiritually grab a hold of him and really get him to see what his condition is and what he's done to himself? But he said when he looked at the house that he was staying in and the, the woman kind of popped her head out and she was scantily dressed and, and, and when he looked around and remembered everything that the man had and now what he had, his compromise had brought him to, all he could do was cry. So he sat down with the man and he was going to share these pearls of wisdom to win him over and he just began sobbing and he couldn't stop crying and he tried to gather himself and he kept crying and crying and finally he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to leave and he was overwhelmed by grief and he left. He never said a word to the man. So he got in the car, he was driving away, he was a bit embarrassed. What have I done, Lord? You know, I couldn't, I didn't say a word to him. All I could do was cry. Well, that man went back to his wife just a couple days later because the, the Lord used Chuck's brokenness to show him a picture of God's heart. That's what God is doing here. He's using images to get people that he loves to get them to see where they really are. And sometimes there are no words. There's just, 
a manifestation of a feeling and you and you know has God ever spoken to you like that before you know you you're looking for some profound sense of something and and God uses something very simple but he shows it to you in a new way and you go oh my goodness you'll hear more from pastor Michael in a moment Merry Christmas from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team. We're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. Since last year, our listener partnerships have grown. Last Christmas, we let our listeners know it cost over $150,000 a year to fund this ministry. That includes radio airtime, podcasting, promotion, equipment, supplies, and one part-time staff member. At this time last year, we were excited to report listener support had reached 25% of our overall budget. The rest is funded by Living Truth Christian Fellowship Church funds. Now that has grown to 31%. And because of that, we have added Walk in Truth to three more radio stations where more people have had a chance to hear these teachings. We could still use your help too. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I rarely do this and I'm not necessarily even comfortable asking for finances, but the reality is that this program has to pay for radio airtime and what we do. And it's a blessing to partner with what you believe in, with the gospel ministry that hopefully has been a blessing to you. If that's you, would you please consider giving an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation? Please give a one-time gift on behalf of you, your family, or business. You can help us pay for airtime for the radio station or podcast app you listen to. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com. Click Donate. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. He decided that he was going to cheat on his wife. And so he went out and he started living with this other woman. And uh, he got involved with her and he was living on the other side of town in some kind of garage apartment. And the wife, the concerned wife who had been cheated on, called Pastor Chuck one day and said, look, my husband's cheating on me and I'm devastated. Can you talk to him? And Chuck Agreed, and it set up a meeting, and he arrived at the home where the man was now living, and it was kind of a shady, seedy side of, side of town in a broken down apartment, and he said that he was on the drive there, as pastors will often do, he was praying about what he would say to the man. You know, what could I say to spiritually grab a hold of him and really get him to see what his condition is and what he's done to himself? But he said when he looked at the house that he was staying in and the the woman kind of popped her head out and she was scantily dressed. And, and, and when he looked around and remembered everything that the man had and now what he had, his compromise had brought him to, all he could do was cry. So he sat down with the man and he was gonna share these pearls of wisdom to win him over and he just began sobbing and he couldn't stop crying and he tried to gather himself and he kept crying and crying and finally he said, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to leave and he was overwhelmed by grief and he left. He never said a word to the man. So he got in the car, he was driving away, he was a bit embarrassed. What have I done, Lord? You know, I couldn't, I didn't say a word to him. All I could do was cry. Well, that man went back to his wife just a couple days later because the, the Lord used Chuck's brokenness to show him a picture of God's heart. That's what God is doing here. He's using images to get people that he loves to get them to see where they really are. And sometimes there are no words. There's just a manifestation of a feeling and you, and you know. Has God ever spoken to you like that before? You know, you, 
you're looking for some profound sense of something and, and God uses something very simple, but he shows it to you in a new way and you go, oh my goodness. And what you're gonna see for Israel is that they're gonna, they're gonna be uh, really faced with a question of what have we become? That's what the Lord is going to show them. Look at what you have become because you went to the idols and you thought somehow in them that they offered a promise of something exhilarating and something that would produce for you and they've done just the opposite and you can't even see it. And so I send my seers, I send my prophets so that you might see what I see. And so we told you that the prophet is the seer and that's what God's trying to do. Get Israel to see, verse nine, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a few or some survivors. Notice, we would be like Sodom. We would be like Gomorrah. You know, Billy Graham said one time, and it might have been a bit of a controversial statement, but he said, if God does not judge the United States, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, we know that Lot was pulled out of Sodom and uh, some of his family members because God is merciful. And Jesus uses the image of Sodom and Gomorrah when he talks about the last days. Just as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That gives us the idea that God will pull his faithful bride out before the judgment comes. But again, Israel, the people that God loves, they're compared to Sodom and Gomorrah. And God says, hear the word of the Lord. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, two Canaanite cities that are pictures of God saying, I have had enough. Your sin has come up to my nostrils and it is a stench and I cannot take it. And he sends and he dispatches uh, angelic messengers and he basically says, you know what? Get those people out of there because I am going to judge that city. And that's a point at which we don't know. It's a mystery when God uh, does that. There's the patience of God that we all enjoy. But here he says, hear the word of the Lord. And he compares his people to Sodom and Gomorrah. Hold your finger in Isaiah and go to Revelation 11. Revelation 11. That's the last book of the Bible. You all knew that, huh? Revelation 11. The two witnesses show up during Daniel's 70th week and they have incredible power and their power reflects that uh, they are most likely Moses and Elijah who have appeared on the scene in the last days. For the sake of time, look at verse seven of Revelation 11. When they have finished their testimony, Revelation eleven seven, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make war with them and overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which mystically, that is pneumatikos, the Greek word which is often rendered spiritually, which spiritually or mystically is called Sodom and Egypt. Now notice this. Where also their Lord was what? Crucified. Where was Jesus crucified? Right out the side of the city gate of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is called here, in the last days, it will be likened to Sodom and what? Egypt. 
Now, two places that were known for both their immorality, their idolatry, which also dictated their immorality. You see, a people will become like their gods. Idolatry will lead to a lifestyle that manifests itself in wickedness because the only thing behind an idol spiritually is what? Demonic power. So an idol is nothing in the world, but if there's anything that it, uh, anything that it can do in the sense of spiritual uh, power, it's demonic. So what would it produce that's positive? Nothing. And so in the last days, God says, I will compare the city that I love, the place that I've written my name forever, to two places that are known for their multiple gods and their base idolatry and their base immorality, and that is Sodom and Egypt. And those from the the peoples and tribes and tongues and nations will look at their dead bodies, those prophets that had this power, for three and a half days will not permit their dead bodies to be laid in a tomb. The Jews would immediately put dead bodies into a tomb. They will not allow this to desecrate the bodies. Those who dwell on the earth will rejoice. By the way, I think this is the only place you're gonna find in the book of Revelation where rejoicing is mentioned and the rejoicing is over the death of two of God's prophets. Not much has changed. They will rejoice, notice, they will make merry. They will rejoice over them that they're dead. They will make merry and they will send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. They will have a dead prophet's day or something like that. And I think their song will be, ding dong, the prophets are dead. I don't know what it'll be. But so much so, and we've kind of joked, and it'll be kind of an antichrist Christmas. You say, Pastor Michael, why do you always go to the Wizard of Oz? I'm sorry, it's just in my brain. But it's almost, it's almost like they're celebrating this holiday, but their celebration is over the death of two uh, individuals that showed the power of God and were trying to teach them the truth of God. You've been listening to The Lord is Salvation, Part 4 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 1, verses 7 through 31. Don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the Living Truth app is a great way to stay up to date with what we're doing here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Bible studies, family events, and of course, worship services. If you're out of the area, the LT app has a lot for you too. You can watch and listen to Pastor Michael's latest teachings. Download the Living Truth app in your app store. The Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, no doubt sometimes people hear something like Isaiah chapter one, and they say, wow, the God of the Old Testament seems a bit harsh. (laughs) Well, the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament, brethren. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, it does say in Isaiah 1-9, unless the Lord of hosts had left a few survivors, we would be like Sodom. We would be like Gomorrah. And then the Lord encourages the people to learn to do the right thing. And he even says, come, let's reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. You know, there's always hope of redemption and salvation, even in the hard things. Let's face it, we have to hear the hard truth about our sin before the need for salvation really makes sense to us. 
So maybe we can shift our thinking instead of thinking, well, this is hard and harsh. Hey, this is the reality of what that culture was doing. And of course, ours is not far off from it. But hearing what we've done wrong uh, makes us run to the hope of the one that will make us white as snow. And his name is Jesus. Hey, I just want to let you know that we're so grateful to all of our partners who partner with Walk in Truth. And I've been telling you in the last few days that we're almost to one-third supported by our radio listening family, our Walk in Truth partners. Uh, many of them are monthly givers. They give $5, $10, $20 a month or more. You can give a year-end gift of $100 or whatever you want to do, or become a monthly partner at $20 a month. And the way you can do that is you can go to walkintruth.com. And I don't talk about this very often, but it's the end of the year and it's uh, something that we just wanted to do. So here it is, walkintruth.com. And you can give right there and you can see your radio station, unless you're a podcast listener, where we're broadcasting, for example, Georgia or if you're in Northern California, we'd love to hear from you. We have a lot of our givers who are giving from Southern California, and we'd love to see more of you partner with us at walkintruth.com. Click on that donate button and then tell us where you're listening from. And if you need us to pray for you or you want to send us a message about what the broadcast has done for you, please uh, do that in the comment section and let us know where you're listening that's always a blessing to us, and we deeply appreciate it. Well, we're going to be talking more about the Lord of salvation in Isaiah chapter 1 tomorrow right here. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for partnering with us. Walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah 1, verses 7 through 31, called The Lord is Salvation. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.